As we come today, this 11th Sunday in Ordinary Time, it is also for us that we come in the shadow of the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. It is the two feasts are, are not connected. Uh, it's, it's not as if liturgically they are drawn together uh, in this particular manner, but a bit of liturgical providence has been given to us so that in the shadow of the Sacred Heart, we can hear once again about the heart of God and about the heart of Jesus in this Holy Mass, to stew once more in their great gift of this wondrous mystery of the heart of Jesus, which we come to adore. The reality is in the Scriptures we hear that that the Lord God desires for the people to be for Him a holy nation, a people entirely His own, ones who are called to Himself. And yet we know that by sin the nations have scattered away from the Lord. We have turned away from Him, and our hearts have grown cold in so many ways on account of sin. But the Lord is not shocked by this or surprised by this. Rather, He knows it and anticipates it. And He comes down to us to free us from our sins and to save us, to be able to ransom us for the Father's house, as was the plan from the beginning. And the wonderful thing is that He doesn't wait for us to get our act together first. It would be fitting, it would be understandable if the Lord Jesus were kind of waiting to to come down to us until, you know, we kind of got ourselves sorted out a little bit better, until we were better at prayer, our vices were out a bit more, our virtues were more uh, more robust, and we were living more faithfully the the gift of our faith given to us. It would be sensible for him to, to kind of wait until things were well in order to come because he deserves that. It's fitting for him. But this is not at all what he has done. Instead, as the Scriptures remind us today, as St. Paul writing to the Romans, that God proves His love for us in that while we were still sinning, in the midst of our sins, the Lord Jesus died for us. It is tough, St. Paul writes, to be able to die for someone who is just, who is good, who is holy. It is difficult enough to die in someone else's place, even if they may be a fantastic human being. But Christ has done it for a whole lot of sinners us, and thus proving the love of God for us. It is that love of God manifest in the death of Christ that came down to us first to be able to take on our very flesh. The Lord God, desiring again to save us, sent the Son, the Father sending the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit, and He was formed in the womb of our Blessed Mother. He took on flesh. In a few weeks' time, the heartbeats of Christ began to beat and they have blazed with love for us ever since. The heart of the Savior rested within his breast for some 33 years, continually pouring out love beat by beat by beat. And then, at the end, that love was poured out upon us. As the disciples indeed had fled, John and Our Lady and Mary Magdalene and a few others gathered around, they witnessed this, and St. John attests to it, that at the hour of our Lord's death on the cross, the two other men who had not died, their legs were broken so that they might die quickly. But our Lord had died already. He had breathed forth his last, and he slept the sleep of death. And so the guards, rather than break his legs, pierced his heart simply to assure that he was in fact dead. And this piercing of the heart was a tremendous pouring out of grace upon the earth. Blood and water poured forth that day. 
and we've always understood the church has, that this is the wellspring of the church's sacraments. It's the place from which, the side of Christ, that the sacraments have their power, their efficacy. It's the place from which they they are able to do all that they do, to cleanse, to heal, to strengthen, to sanctify, to save. It is from the heart of Jesus that the sacraments have power. And so it's fitting for us to honor the heart of Jesus, to come to honor that heart that was moved with pity for those who were wandering around as sheep without a shepherd, knowing that they were called to something more, that he longed to have them in the house of the Heavenly Father. But this imagery of the, the heart of Jesus being pierced and blood pouring out is for us not a new image entirely. Rather, it is something that the church has understood as having roots way back in the story of the exodus of the Israelites. As the people were wandering through the desert, they were wandering and were thirsty, but there was no place for them to get water. There was nothing around, no spring, no well, no anything, and they were dying of thirst. And the Lord told Moses, speaking to a rock, there was a a rock that was nearby, and he told Moses, strike the rock, and I will bring forth water from it. And so Moses took his staff, and he struck the rock, and water poured forth from the rock. And the people were saved, in the flesh at least, because they were able to have their thirst filled. They were able not to die simply in the desert. As they continued on, later in Exodus, we hear another story where a similar set of scenario is set up, that the people are all again in the desert, and again they're watering, and again they are without water and dying. And the Lord God says this time, Moses, speak to the rock, and it will bring forth water for you. But Moses, relying upon his own strength, struck the rock as he had done previously. And the Lord God let the water come forth from the rock. He, in his goodness and his mercy, allowed this. But he told Moses, because you struck it rather than spoke to it, you will not see the promised land. And he didn't. He died just on the other side of the Jordan River before they could actually cross over. And this is the fact of what we have with the story of the Sacred Heart. That our Lord's heart on Calvary some 2,000 years ago was struck and it brought forth blood and water, the font of salvation. But now it is for us not to strike the rock again, as if we were to kill Jesus over and over and again, to come here and to, to abuse him in the sacraments. But rather, it is to speak to the rock, as the Lord God told Moses to do. It is to speak to Christ, specifically to the heart of Christ. This takes place in the Holy Eucharist, because the Eucharist is the heart of Christ. Numerous miracles, Eucharistic miracles, where the body and blood of our Lord was transformed, not just transubstantiated, but transformed, the form itself becoming flesh and blood. And when those, ex- when those miracles have been examined by, by scientists, actual scientists, not just church scientists, you kind of slide a little money and say, hey, tell us these rules, and give us some good news at the end, right? So actual people who are contrary to the faith, who are not of the faith, looked at this and identified time after time Eucharistic miracles were the flesh, or the, the, the heart flesh of a man. It was the heart of God that was in the Eucharist, the sacred heart of Jesus. 
And it's for us to speak to him and to know that. When the priest holds up the host, what a beautiful thing it is to be found on the lips of so many of the faithful. And even the priest himself, as the priest holds up the host after the consecration, the simple words of Thomas, my Lord and my God, a profession of faith, that this is not a sign or a symbol, but this is Christ himself. This is the Savior of the world right here in front of my very eyes. It is for us to speak to him at that time in those holy words. But it is not enough for the heart of Jesus simply to be spoken to from afar. He wants to come and to be spoken to intimately closely. Just as after Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, the Lord drew close to him and said, Thomas, touch my wounds. So also the Lord comes down to us to allow us to touch him, to be in communion with him. Just as from the first time when he stripped himself of his glory and came down to take on our sinful human condition, our broken humanity, condemned to death, so also at each Mass he descends from the holy throne that is the tabernacle, arrayed in gold and surrounded by light and candles. He divests himself of his great seat of honor to come down to us at the rail and to unite ourselves to him, to unite our hearts to his heart. And so it is not only for us at the elevation after the consecration to speak to him, but especially after the moment of Holy Communion, receiving our Lord to know that he is within us, that there is a profound union that has taken place between the soul. It is the closest we get to heaven in this earthly life. And in that place, at that time, to speak to him too, to speak to the heart of Jesus as it comes to rest within your own breast and there to set your heart aflame with fire of love for him. What a tremendous gift it is to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, to receive the heart of God that loves us so intensely that he is willing to die for us even in the midst of our sins. It is he who comes to us mass after mass after mass and offers himself freely, generously, that we too might have something of the healing that the disciples went out to effect in so many souls and hearts and bodies in their own day. It's the heart of Jesus that still has pity upon us in our day. It is for us to turn to him with the anxieties of our hearts, with the needs of our hearts, with the fears of the world around us, with the difficulties and the trials of our faith, with the struggles with sin, with the longings that we have for our loved ones, our family and friends, our children and grandchildren, and everything to bring all of this to the heart of Jesus and to speak to him who loves us. And so as we offer this Holy Mass, it is indeed a grace to come and to behold before our very eyes the heart of Jesus once more, that heart 2,000 years ago pierced for love of us to give us grace, comes once again as a desire simply to be spoken to be loved. So let us pray the grace to love him and to love him well, to love him fervently and frequently in the Holy Eucharist, to be able to show this love also by acts of reparation, to do things to show our love for God and to make up for the times where we have sinned against him and wounded his heart, whether we're ourselves or also to make up for the sins of others. In so many places, the heart of Jesus is not and has not been loved. How blessed are we to be able to come and to love him in place. So we ask the grace of the Lord again to fill us with holy thanksgiving today, to see the face of Christ, 
to see the heart of Christ and to draw close to him as we long for him in eternity.